After all this, you still... I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver. Hey folks, welcome back to Greenhouse Gaslighting. As you can see, you know, we've got the new rebrand. Still us. Still talking about shit we don't understand. Um, and that's why I always invite um, our most... Yeah, I think you, you've, you've really racked up the W's on most appearances now, Josh. So please welcome DC correspondent uh, Joshua... Co oh my fucking god, I was about to dox you, dude. <laughs> I mean, I don't think uh, it's too much. Of <laughs> please welcome DC correspondent Josh. Well, it's always uh, great to be here. Um, doxed or not doxed, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, I I like the new branding. Uh, I think it really reflects the uh, the new ownership under the forward party. This is correct. This is correct. Um, you know, they sent us graphic designers. Uh, you know, they told us that. Uh, under uh, the Yang dictatorship, um, everyone will be guaranteed um, two graphic design packages in addition to their UBI package. Uh, so you know, you want? I mean, dude, we can get the whole nation to start streaming on Twitch, bro. That's that's exactly what we need. Yeah, we're talking about the information age. Let's get to the content age. <laughs> I think we're already in the content age. Yeah, no, we've we've been there for we've a minute been now. There. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as of um, the time of recording of this episode, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has created a bit of an international uh, dispute by entering Taiwan and raising tensions with uh, China, allegedly. So if you're still listening to this in the wreckage of a charred and wrecked earth, um, what are you doing? No, I think stick around. This is probably better than what anything else you could be doing. <laughs> you don't have much options if you're listening to this. Like, not not that I expect it to explode into anything. It's probably just going to be more and bizarre. like listen, I mean, members of Congress visited all the time. Yes, they're usually not this high ranked, um, but like it seems to. I mean, the administration has not endorsed this trip. They've recommended against it. Um, they've come out and said they, you know, still support the one China policy. Uh, this is just a, I, I think it's just, you know, this will be forgotten about in a few days or whenever her flight comes back. Um, I do not, you know, I, the one thing I'm nervous about is, you know, I don't think it'll happen, but like, I don't want, you know, Nancy Pelosi to be cast in the role of Franz Ferdinand. Um, oh God. <laughs> I think we could do better. Um, there were there were at least a good amount of jokes of, uh, you know, is she going to come out in the Kente cloth and kneel as soon as she lands in Taiwan? Is there going to be some weird, bizarre performative speech or whatever? It it definitely is one of those things that makes you wonder, like, okay, is this more like foreign policy projecting kind of stuff because Ukraine has kind of fallen off the radar in terms of uh what people are talking about which funny funny i mentioned that did i i don't think i told you i saw my first azov battalion bumper sticker in the wild today really that's a little J just just unprovoked on somebody's honda man i don't know huh 
man, or I mean, you know, it's it's a bit of a drive to you know Crimea <laughs> from here, but <laughs> we'll see if they make it. Yeah, I just I always thought that was some highly online stuff, but then I guess putting it on on your car. Well, I mean, that's to be fair, that is pretty like it's not online, but it's 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 complete performative stuff, which I mean is kind of the theme of this episode. Um, looking at the itinerary, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, the real mystery here is like you know, will uh, after you know. Nancy Pelosi gets back on the plane. Are we going to get you know some twenty four hour news coverage of Wolf Blitzer discussing what happened to that flight? It's it's funny because we've talked about like the news cycle and a, a quote unquote they pressing the news button every time they need something to happen. And I'll I'll admit it has been a bit of a uh quiet cycle lately maybe it's just because i haven't been getting out much maybe it's because i'm not paying too much attention but you know there were like storm events in missouri for example that like no one seems to be talking about right now um compared to like you know the heat wave that was kind of on everyone's lips last year right yeah and i'm almost wondering like does the biden administration have a kind of play and there's no way to prove this right but it's just like okay Send Nancy to Taipei. Come on. Come on, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I don't expect a whole lot to come from this. I think uh, I probably wouldn't, you know, think about it too much. I think you're just going to get yourself more stressed out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's exactly no point in being too much of a anxiety-ridden hamster looking at the headlines. Like there speaking is a, there's of, uh, speaking of anxiety, have you uh, voted in the primary yet? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm lucky that you know I live in an area where I can do absentee voting. Um, it's bizarre how much targeting happened like in the last two weeks as opposed to the entire time. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll freely admit, you know, I feel a little bit bad about it. I did not vote today. I don't plan on it. I looked at the ballot. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> one party was basically unopposed in this district and i and, you know everyone else has these fun mm-hmm. new districts i'm i'm stuck with the mclean district um <laughs> and it was like well do i vote to like sabotage but then it's like i mean there's really no lesser of the evils on like the governor's side like i guess right. the lesser is just not tudor dixon but right, right. No options <laughs> like I don't know who like the most likely person to upset that is. It's yeah, it's it's a weird race. And like I think if it was more if it was more high profile, I feel like we would have probably covered it more, but and like because weird stuff has happened, right? I mean, for those unfamiliar with the Michigan gubernatorial race, I mean like two of the front runners on the Republican side and like a few others were like terminated off the ballot because mm-hmm. They didn't have enough signatures. Um, another was arrested by the FBI, I believe. This or is had true. his home raided at the very least. Um, and then you're just left with these five who have been like scrambling. And a couple weeks ago, and like I was just flipping through the channels and saw they had the debate at our alma mater of all places. 
Yeah, yeah. And that was the kind of thing where it's like, it's right in our backyard. If I knew about it, I would have been like, oh, let me go to the, the front table and just be like, yeah. can we get a press pass? Like, I would have <laughs> totally wanted to do that. <laughs> and what is funny, too, because it's like, I mean, we've ho like i mean i definitely had at least i'm sure you have as well but like we, we've hosted events in that exact location wasn't one of the ones where mitt romney when he was running they did it at they did it at um the school but it was at the the basketball arena mm -hmm. so it was a lot bigger league and i, I i'll never forget this because i you know there was a high school conference we had there uh for Mon united nations and i made a joke because that was the debate that rick perry said he was going to terminate three you know branches of the you know uh executive bureaucracy and he forgot which the third agency was yeah and it was like oops and that like sank his whole campaign and i made that joke and everyone's like who's rick perry i'm like well he was just appointed energy secretary but fuck am i <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it just had like the I, it was the moment i felt the most boomer that i've ever felt and i'm like i'm not even like i'm at this point, it's like I'm fresh out of college. Like, what the heck? It, it, it is like that. And it, it just like. When you consider the reality that there's a lot less people who are paying attention to electoral politics than people who mm -hmm. are. And then you you bust into a conversation like, but who's that? Yeah, you can be mad and be like, y'all need to vote, but then you you get you have to have that self awareness moment of like, oh man, I pay too much attention to this shit. Um yeah. but yeah, to your point about the primary season here in Michigan, I don't blame you for not necessarily voting because I really only voted for one area. Well, but you actually have one because like you have the, yeah, the, the congressional districts. Um, so you have the two incumbents uh, to choose from, whereas like I'm like I don't have anything. And I'm like, <laughs> but that was the only competitive thing because otherwise, like yeah, every other item they didn't even have like a primary contender except for like uh, state senate. There was the guy who's the incumbent, very boilerplate, boring, sure. saccharine Democrat, and then the other guy running was a crank who basically was campaigning on YouTube, just vlogging, and, like, each vlog was, like, 40, like 40, 40 second increments, basically. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he would, like, like he, he was saying stuff, like, like, you know, like, he was talking about the working class. He was talking about, you know, fat cats in, in the state capitol. I'm like, okay, I like what this guy has to say. Then I watched, like, a professional interview that, like, a newspaper put on, where they that just was like, longer than 40 seconds yeah yeah where they you know they have like those 40 questions they give it to every candidate in the race so at least someone's on the record and then this guy is i i'll, I'll send you the video after this man it was, oh, yeah, it was amazing but it was it was the kind of thing where he's talking and he's like and the third thing we got to do is 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 budgets okay whether you're the city of ferndale the roman empire even macomb county Okay, budgets are everything, and I'm just like, where did where did this pop up? Where did this where, where did this pop up? And he, it was a question about education. A win in Macomb, I guess. But well, uh, <laughs> it's uh, I, so yeah, I I voted for him on principle as a as a failed <laughs> content creator. Um, <laughs> but like, you see, you at least had like. <laughs> It, not even that they're not like competitive races. I mean, the congr the congressional one seems to be competitive. But the whole ballot is just like one person under each title. Like, yeah, 
what's the point of showing up if they're going to get the title? But you anyways? at least had two. I had pretty much none. I mean, there, again, like there was stuff on the Republican side and, you know, in uh, Michigan has like a semi-open primary where you get to choose one side of the ballot uh, and just, you know, vote for whoever you want on that side. But it was like, no, like, I mean, there's like, like the Democratic side is like, all right, well, Whitmer's uncontested. The congressional seat is a sacrificial lamb uncontested. Yeah, and then like the Republicans are like an open race, and they're all like the Trump brand Republican, but yeah. none of them have the juice that Trump has. You know what I mean? No one. Oh, right. Would... Yeah. So when I was watching that debate for like you know a few minutes, I was like, this is basically like the like the B movie budget version, like the Sci Fi Channel version of like <laughs> the Republican primary debates from like 2016. Because it's like, like the presidential ones, yeah. Like because they're they're mm -hmm. like having the same like petty arguments, but it's over like the most inside baseball stuff you'll ever hear. Like where it's like they're talking about like meetings of the DeVos family. Like oh well, you're mad that like after this meeting with this group, you weren't chosen. It's like actually I'm talking about this meeting with this other group. And it's like what the fuck? Who cares? Who would? Like, <laughs> and it's like I I'm like it, you know I'm saying like I'm sure there's some of their electorate that does, but it's like it's like this is such like. I don't think the average voter has any idea what you're talking about. And like, it's all like code words, basically like where it's like, Oh, like, you know, like this group is going to trigger, like, I guess certain donors like, Oh, Hey, I'm actually part of that group that my money's going indirectly to this guy. Maybe I should directly donate or something. I don't know, but it was just, it was bizarre. They were catty with each other. It was like, but like, again, none of them had that like presence of a Donald Trump. Yeah, just the, just the guy on the hot mic wrong. Like the, none of them have the juice, really. Yeah, they they want to, and like I think like the the big contender now, aside from Tudor, is who's this who's this fuck? Garrett Soldano. Um, I couldn't remember who like the second like <laughs> wrong was, and she only seems to be the the primary one because like the DeVos family is like, yeah, we're we're gonna go with her. Everyone else is gone that we liked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing that like got me about Garrett Soldano, like. His whole shtick is like he's mad that the COVID restrictions happened. And it's like, buddy, we we have now overcorrected by pretending that there's no there aren't two pandemics going on at the same time. Right. Like like you're you're free to make out with random strangers now in in open public. Doesn't matter that there's monkeypox and COVID still. As running. long as they're not the same sex as you. Right, right, that and that's and that, and that no, and that's the second thing because like so so like a fun thing too. I don't have, I really don't like watch TV. I haven't had cable in a long time, so the only time I ever see like cable ads is when I'm at the gym. That was my first time seeing a Garrett Soldano ad. The whole ad, the whole ad was just like being mad about trans people, and I'm just like, there's nothing. There's like, I, I know it's bad. Like I'm I'm against the transphobia. And these guys are idiots. But then when you think about, like, what can they even get out of that? It's just like being, it, it, it's like, it's like when you catch someone watching some nasty porn. And then they do the thing where it's like, oh, my God, you see this shit? Hey, you see this shit? Hey, this is fucked up, man. Like, that's, that's basically what it is. Yeah, it's so, and, like, this wasn't at the, it was at the debate, but it wasn't on the debate where, like, some news crews were, like, 
asking them questions and like obviously like the abortion thing is obviously a hot topic because of you know roby way being overturned and like well like you know are you then open with like same-sex couples adopting kids and i i can't remember who it was but he was just like well you know i really question in that environment whether or not that's best for the kids it's like yeah because like your kids are going to bully the shit out of them for having two dads like that's basically all it is. It's just like, yeah, well, like, you know, you realize how hard it is to be raised by same sex parents. Think of all the social ridicule I'll give you. What a ugh. ugh. I said I don't think it was sold down. It was one of the others, but like they're all like interchangeably just like it, it, it's the same three it, things with these people. COVID restrictions, uh gay bashing, and transphobia. They have they have no other agenda. And it, and it's wild too, because like until you know the I would say a few months ago, I, I was like pretty certain like this was like a slam dunk race for Republicans to pick up. I was like, Whitmer is like this really polarizing figure because of the COVID stuff, and like you're gonna have all these like low and information. Whitmer has no no real that. juice either. You know what I mean? Like she has sympathy from like Democratic Party loyalists with the whole. She's got more. Plot. I think. I think she like you know. I think she has more than like the. I mean, it, the Democratic Party in general doesn't have a whole lot of juice. Let's be honest. That's true. That's true. I but that and so I was thinking like I'm like you know like I think she's more charismatic than like Joe or Nancy. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if she was going to Taiwan, then we maybe we would have a real issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but that's a, that's a fair point. That like it just like we there's a lot of like sound and fury, but it's equally flaccid in the Republican primary here in Michigan. Um, yeah. So yeah, speaking of the other open race in the district I live in, it is this, I don't know how much national coverage this race is getting. It's Andy Levin versus Haley Stevens to kind of categorize uh, this. Like you said, um, redistricting happened in Michigan. These two districts have fused. So now they're basically fighting each other for the same, like for the yep. new district. Uh, Stevens, very boilerplate Democrat, um, had only been around for what? This is her second, second term. term. Yeah, second term, and her claim to fame before this is she helped out with the auto recovery plan under Obama. And also, she took Mike Bloomberg's money, which put her on a list in the 2020 uh, presidential primary. So there's that. She's very corporate aligned, very uh, said to be willing to work with the Republicans, quote unquote. Not a whole lot of juice. Very recurring theme here. Then there's Andy Levin, scion of the Levin family. So I think he's the son of former Congressman Sandy Levin, nephew of former Senator Carl Levin. The Levins are kind of a political dynasty here in Michigan. And yeah, I, I, I want to say there might be one more before them both. I could be wrong. But yeah, they're very long established. Uh, Carl and Sandy both served for forever. Yeah, <laughs> for a less. very, very long time. They had the dignity to retire at some point, thankfully. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, he would represent, I think, if not the second generation of Levin family, uh congressional member is the third so it's kind of interesting how he's been able to now brand himself as like a unity progressive candidate and here's what i mean by this is that like he's been able to rack up endorsements from 
Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Rashida Tlaib, like very, very distinct ideological strands within the Democratic Party. And I mean, it's it's not like he doesn't have a history of labor support, but what's oh, been... also interestingly, he's also only uh, been in as long as Stevens has been. I didn't realize that. Yeah, this is also a, a second term. Yeah, he was he was very fresh to the thing, and I think he was representing his father's district. Yeah, which is a very, at least at the time, a very small set of uh, cities near Detroit. Yeah, heavily gerrymandered. It's a little less now, but eh. So, you know, it's I I don't doubt that he might be decent uh, in his positions and convictions, but what I found personally kind of not necessarily unnerving, but just like it it, it made me side eye the whole thing is like it's good that the guy has the right principles and everything, but why are we still not having this conversation about political families? never seeming to leave the democratic party and it's it ties into the whole thing about seniority and adherence to norms and like you know the levens are one of many families that curry favor within it i mean the kennedys being the most famous the one also from michigan dingles the dingles yeah i mean that was a husband and wife duo right (laughs) yep and his dad he inherited his seat Mm, yeah yeah, there are there are a lot of Michigan. I mean, even in like a uh, Detroit city politics, you have like the Young family. Um, you had the Kilpatricks until their son got a little horny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but that's what that's what I'm saying is like you know, we don't necessarily have machine politics in in Democratic circles anymore. Sure. So the equivalent is like dynasties. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I don't know. That was the whole thing where it was just like, yeah, I'll I'll tick the name on the ballot, but can we not can we not like pretend that this is a grand like revolutionary moment? <laughs> We're just putting another member of the Levin family in. I got nothing bad to say, but this is not radical politics, dog. Oh, well, what is these days? Uh working at Lockheed Martin and having a pick crew avatar. <laughs> I think that's pretty bog standard. I don't think that's radical <laughs> at all, actually. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, so yeah, that was that was politics corner. We did not script that. No, and I, I was thinking about that because I was like, I had been thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know, like, how often do we record on an election day? Like, we gotta at least touch on it. But <laughs> I mean, see, with absentee voting now, like, you could just forget that absent, like, like voting day was a thing. Sure. Well, and for me, like I said, like it's, I could practically walk to my precinct. Um, they did move it from a school to a church, which I think says a lot. But uh, you know, either way, it's still more or less the same spot. I could literally walk down to, but I'm like, it's there's it, not. <laughs> I'm just circling it, names it, that are it, already dude, there. It, 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 literally, if it's a primary and there's no contested seats, yeah, like, why show up? And it's like, well, it's your civic duty. I'm like, okay, you could still show up to the polling. Place well, I mean, that shows ballot. how much that like that kind of weighs on me. The fact that I feel a little bit bad about it, but I'm like, it's well, we again, like like we say, civic religion. We are apostates of it in effect, and yeah. we bear we bear a heavy toll on our conscience for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like yeah, there's there's not like real contests, and like again, like you know, 
it was fun probably for people in 2014 to vote for you know Rick Santorum, but like that's where the whole party is now. <laughs> it's not like you're not Rick's like putting <laughs> you're not putting out like oh this is this unviable radical. It's like oh no, uh, they're all the same. No, Rick Santorum is the most left wing member of the Republican Party right now. Oh come on, <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Oh god. Like Romney's at least you know in politics, and that was literally he was in that race. I so I I don't know if I told you about this too. I have a plan in place to work on some of these Michigan political dynasties on the Republican side, oh, yeah. and I want to do a couple episodes on the Romneys and the DeVos family. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be an interesting series to get into because gosh, I mean that that rem- I mean this is like kind of a tangent about Romney's but like it's so like I remember when he ran and he was like he identified like three or four states as like his home state so like what we got Utah we got Michigan we got Massachusetts what's the fourth I can't remember what the other one it might have just been those three but I feel like there was another in the mix probably New York because wasn't he working at Wall Street too or uh I mean that that would be a pretty loose association but but yeah it was like you know Michigan because you know yeah George Romney is that big popular and and again, and people are like, oh, like popular historical figure here, but like, I mean, governors, they don't really care. At least here, I don't think they've ever really carried the same like weight. And in, I think the last few have all left this state in shame. So, yeah, who hears about Rick Snyder anymore? Like, forget the fact that Flint still doesn't have dr- clean drinking water. The man's yeah. still, you know, out at large. Yeah. But but yeah, it's like it's like like we were saying about political dynasties. Yeah, they run on the other party too. And I mean, with R- George Romney, there's a deep connection there. One with like the mm-hmm. Detroit riots, yeah, because the racial demographics of the Metro Detroit area have been formed in the wake of those. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you could attribute that to his handling of those events. And then also he was uh, director of HUD. I forget under it was under Nixon or under Eisenhower. I can't remember. Um, but suburbanization basically happened under his watch. Yeah, more or less. Uh, he was the um, Nixon was president when he was head of HUD. Yeah, so I mean that's that's the kind of stuff I want to investigate. I'm not sure what conclusions can be made reasonably, especially on a podcast like this one. But it's it, it's worth looking into. I feel like yeah, yeah. So to what we plan to discuss <laughs> at the time. Of recording this episode. Um, we're following up from I want to say last week's um, I think last week's last week on Wednesday, uh, Democrats had come to a deal on a tax and infrastructure bill that will have certain it's the reconciliation bill. Yeah, it's a it is a reconciliation bill, and it will have provisions for climate and infrastructure. Um I had read them prior to recording this. The New York Times paywall is acting up on me. I tried looking at only one dollar a week. It says right there. (laughs) (laughs) Democracy dies in darkness. Anyways, give us money. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and the fun thing too, I'll tell this to the listeners. I try checking Politico because at least they're somewhat reliable at times, right? (laughs) And then Politico uh, is—it's easy to forget they're in the bag of like the energy business at times. So they're they're in every yeah that's true they're in their fucking bag, and I was just looking at like okay I just looked up a uh, climate bill 
And then I looked at one of the articles because the title looked interesting. Immediately under the title, uh, this article brought to you by Chevron. And I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but yes, to that effect, um, Schumer and Manchin were able to come to a deal um, on this bill. They're trying to pass it through reconciliation. If I understand correctly, some of the provisions will include renewing infrastructure, renewing certain family assistance programs. Um, this is more or less the uh, this is a deal on the bill that they've been trying to pass that Mansion and Cinema both been the Build Back mentioned. Better bill, basically. Yeah, this is more or less that. Um, they've made obviously concessions to Mansion. A lot of them are more so state, like West Virginia focused, mm-hmm. uh, which is just kind of insane. Um, but like this was like a kind of a shocking development, right? And I think. From what I've heard, the going wisdom of why Mansion suddenly decided let's do this is because like there were some scathing editorials written about him. So stricken by conscious conscience, Joe Manchin comes. To I don't know if I would go man. that far. That's how he would sell it, I'm sure. But yeah, because I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously you have the infamous visual of like you know the people on like kayaks like outside his yacht, you know, begging him to, I can't remember if it was, if it was built back better, if it was something else at the time, but like just begging for his vote. And he's like, well, I don't know about that. Yeah. It's like for the Senator from West, West Virginia, which is like, again, one of the poorest in the nation. Um, he, he drives pretty ostentatious cars. He has his big ass yacht. Oh, yeah. The mansion mansion is, is, is ungodly huge. You know what I mean? Like he has a lot of personal effects that just like, Again, as U.S. senators taking material. A former benefit. governor of West Virginia, too. He was he's, former governor? Yeah, he's been entrenched there a long-ass time. Jesus. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... So, so like, what did they say in these editorials? Like, was it the kind of, like, how does Joe Manchin manage to be in the party? Uh, it was... I, I think it was more so, like... They were, like, the ones where it was like, well, this is, like... I can't remember exactly, but I think they're were, they were basically of the uh, ilk of the genre that he is uh, kind of sabotaging the party. That, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, we, I, I think our first hate read uh, was on, like, the one about how, like, cinema is, like, God's gift to the Democratic Party. Right. Um, but I guess we'd be getting a lot of not so God's gift to the Democratic Party for Manchin. Um, I get, and he doesn't have the whole, you know, girl boss thing to, you know, kind of compensate for his, uh, insufficiencies in that regard so mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess they were eating away at him and he didn't like the criticism from people that he actually cares about not from you know us or well <laughs> and even then conscious. it's like yeah he compromises but then like his if i understand correctly and this is for me trying to remember an article i read a week ago is basically just don't touch coal in west virginia and you'll get More what you want yeah. Well, I'm so ready for the uh, uh, endorsement of Joe Manchin as a climate hero for this, but, you know, here here we come. Well, he's more of a climate hero than maybe some other people we might discuss this week. Well, well, <laughs> well, and, and so, and that's, that, that's where this gets interesting too, right? Because the prevailing theory earlier this year was that, yeah, Joe Manchin and Cinema are willing to take the heat because they they can get away with having this like bad boy image or whatever but 
it's a question of are they also running cover for other Democrats who are squeamish about voting for something, right? And it there's been less of those kind of conversations surrounding this. But almost immediately as soon as this happens, uh, there's coverage about cinema being the next person to hold things up. Yeah. And, you know, at least as of now, I don't believe she has necessarily voiced that she will stop it, but she has not voiced support. Um, I think she has maybe mentioned that, uh, and this kind of ties into other things like the uh, the PACT Act with the you know veterans' uh, burn pit health uh, extension. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We're like, yeah, with um, the idea that you know, like, well, you know, us passing this would um, maybe you know make it harder to get Republican votes on other things. Which, I mean, what's the point of reconciliation if you're going to be like, well, if we pass this, then we just lose everything else. Um, I think she's probably, I, I don't know, I mean, she's, Mansion at least makes sense to me, right? Because, like, the West Virginia coal stuff and whatnot, you know, as poor as that state is, that's really the only thing that they've really got going for them. And, you know, capitalism will soon sort itself out and they won't have anything. But, uh, you know, it, it, he at least makes sense to me, but she never did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it seems like she's just, like, she. it seems like she definitely is chasing that, like, bad boy or bad girl brand but like it's not advantageous politically i don't think you know we're gonna get like new carve outs for like i mean what fossil fuel industry runs amok in arizona like i don't know like with the exception of this hydraulic fracking plant there or something i mean i don't even know if fracking occurs in arizona to be completely honest i'm kind of you know spitballing here but like you know there's not really a good reason for her to oppose this other than her just being you know a piece of shit, which I guess she is, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where this develops. Hopefully, you know, it, this is more just a uh, a road bump than you know a proper you know police barricade. But who knows? Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you know, this this is where you can correct me on pro wrestling terminology, right? <laughs> um. But it's like, is is cinema just a good heel for the Democratic Party? I mean, because like a good it, heel gets a good heel still gets beaten up at the end. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when's her is her primary this election? I don't remember. When was she elected? I think like during the Trump years, if I'm not. Yeah, mistaken. but I think she like technically filled in a seat. Um, because I think she has McCain's. That might be the case. I think that might be the case. But then yeah, she also has McCain her... or Flakes. I don't remember who. That's that's actually true because yeah, Mark Warner and and her came in at the same time that Flake and uh, McCain leave office. McCain because he dies, and then Flake because well, he flaked. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying yeah. to pick up on there. That's actually what happened. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's like I. I don't know because it does feel a bit like kayfabe, where like the party can always run back and say, "Well, we can't get this done because cinema won't let it happen." Yeah, and then I mean, and, 
but it, it, it doesn't adv advantage them at this point anyways because like you got the deal of mansion mm -hmm. there's no like it, there's no reason to throw that lifeline out just to pull it out from under you again if that's like you know the if this is really on behalf of more people um it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me yeah yeah and like i don't know the way i try to see this now is if you look at the senate and congress as this network of influence and these networks of patronage right sure mansion still makes sense because in exchange for his patronage and his influence, he gets his array of personal effects and wealth. Yeah. It's very easy to explain why he does it. With cinema, it's like it's like you, you can almost go insane trying to figure out her rationale because she doesn't give interviews. She's very secretive. When she does say something, it's very vague. She has the whole manic pixie girl energy thing going for her, but like you don't know if that's sincere or if that's that's an act um and there's this like series of things where it's like is she genuinely that way because the the assumption of arizona is that it's a purple state so this act of being moderate is all she can offer people in exchange for her patronage and influence i don't know but also like i'm just trying to think of it in a material sense right where it's like Arizona, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, what is their economic base other than, like, the defense industry, military bases, and, like, maybe mining? I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing is that's, like, you know, with Mansion, like, I mean, not only do you have that network of influence, but, like, you know, you, know, you have the network, you have the, the conditions of West Virginia itself that we've already yeah. kind of discussed. Arizona, and again, it's, like, you know, not only... Is it weird? But you also have a Democratic senator from there already with uh, Mark Kelly, and he doesn't seem to have an issue supporting most of these things. Uh, there was one bill, I don't remember what it was, that he did vote down with her and like another Democrat. Um, but for the most part, he is generally supportive of the agenda. And like you also have weird things where, like, yeah, it's a you know, purplish state or whatever, but like. You know, when she voted down the minimum wage, it's like, well, the federal minimum wage, even with that, was lower than the minimum wage just passed in Arizona. Right. So, like, there's, you know, I don't know if she's just preparing for the lobbying gig, but even then, like, you know, you'd, and, and I guess in some ways, right, you know, like, okay, she has, like, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, so that shows that, like, you know, that's a line on the resume, right? That like, oh yeah, I can, you know, work across the aisle, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's useful for a lobbyist, I guess. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily sure that like just the flamboyancy of like her persona and her record is really something that is that attractive to employers. Yeah, I mean, it, it it gives it's giving Mary Antoinette, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> but but like you're you're making some sense there, where it's like the lobbying gig may explain some of this. But even then, I mean, like the vast majority of members who want it get it. Like I don't. I mean, again, like in this sort of you know, to use research terminology, you know, kind of selecting on the DV. 
um, where, you know, I'm not really looking at people who, like, applied for a lobbying job but didn't get it, and, you know, mm -hmm. that's not available anyways. But, like, you know, you, there's people across the spectrum who get lobbying gigs, you know, and I, and I mean, you, know, you get some pretty left-wing people who work for different, like, you know, corporations that don't intend as much, you know, ill will to their fellow man, but you get mm -hmm. others who, you know, yeah, like, okay, you know, this person who's a shill for the health industry uh, healthcare industry in Congress is a healthcare industry lobbyist. Like, that makes sense. But, like, her stuff just doesn't really, like, unless you really want specifically like a fossil fuel gig or she doesn't know, she's just like, I'll just take whatever that can be given. So I'm going to like have this weird record. I don't know. It, it's, it's very weird. So, yeah, I know we were talking about this in a completely different context last episode about how like party discipline cannot exist in the American system because of the way first past the post works effectively. Yeah. Like, yes, they're party whips and leaders, but effectively you win the seat on your own merit and you can voluntarily take on the party ideology and stance and platform but well, and the parties themselves just have to be so broad to even right. you know, have I a mean, sufficient coalition yeah i mean both of them take even yeah even the republicans with their weird turn are still broadly a big tent approach right so, so i guess i don't know the way i'm looking at this is like the more cinema continues to stay still and be like a roadblock, the more value I guess she can pretend to accrue from when she does act. It's kind of like, you know, she'll be like, I'll be thinking about it, I'll be thinking about it. And you don't know if she's going to vote to shut something down or not give you the leverage. But basically to get her to act becomes more valuable to her. So it's like, okay, what can we give you in exchange for you doing this? She can extract more of a cost in that sense. Yeah. Is she operating on that level? I don't, I cannot know that. But in practice, that's what it's looking like. Is like to get cinema to do something you want, mm -hmm. you have to do something that will give her some insane benefit is what it's looking like. And, and to be fair, I mean, that, that will close doors for her in the long run, too. Like, you know, as I said, you know, there's people across the spectrum who get different lobbying gigs or whatever post-Congress. But, like, I mean, there's going to be, like, I mean, the party apparatus isn't probably going to be interested in having her in any meaningful role. Probably not. Um, there's probably a lot of firms that won't touch her. Um, just because, like, you know, yeah, like, it's it, just this weird flippancy. And, 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 and like these more centrist Dems are, they're, they're no strangers to the party. I mean, they, mm -hmm. we've always had them, you, you know, your Liebermans, your uh, McCaskills, you know, you had a lot over time that had different you know, positions, but I, I think they all had some level of like consistency that was, you know, respected. Like, yeah, like you knew going in to certain bills, you were not going to have Liebermans vote. And or if you fun. wanted his vote, you could buy it. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Whereas, Caspel, like, you know, you like get something for her state. Yeah, you've got you've got that in. Yeah. Whereas, cinema just doesn't like you know like. I I don't think she is thinking of that. Like you know, as far as like you know, what kind of cost can I like you know extract? Because like, there's no evidence she's really extracting that cost. <sighs> 
I don't know. As far as I'm seeing it, she's she's playing a high stakes uh, a game of Vegas poker in her <laughs> mind. And you know, you got to know when to when to hold them and you got to know when to fold. And Senator Kristen Cinema, America is asking you to fold. <laughs> yeah. Cuz 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 that hand is going to bust real fucking soon. It's like <laughs> Well, and that's the thing too cuz like, you know, it's come up before with like, you know, why does it match and just change parties and whatnot? And like the answer is pretty simple. Like he has leverage here. He doesn't have leverage with the Republicans. McConnell has screwed him more times than like he can count. You even know, even Biden back in the day when he was younger, like he kind of, I wouldn't say he played as ostentatious a role, mm -hmm. but you could argue like to some extent, that's kind of what he did. He was a little more active in the approach that like, he'd introduced some really problematic stuff, but you know, for any of the financial stuff, making Delaware like the Switzerland of America, shit, give him an AIG windbreaker. He's he's your man. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's like, you know, you have, uh, you know, th there's a reason these people are in the party, whereas like, you know, you, you have to have like, you know, there needs to be something more gluing this together. And as said, cinema doesn't have it. Uh, Mansion does to some extent. Yes, he's frustrating. He is no climate hero for this. He's not, you know, any of that. But you know, at least I'm glad he seems to be on the table. Hopefully, Cinema doesn't want demand a different deal that he won't be on the table for. Hopefully, she just caves and we get, uh, you know, this bill. I mean, it's it's not as good as it could be, but you know, it's like it's pretty good for you know Congress standards. <laughs> Yeah, all well, things considered, let's like you know, fingers crossed. Uh, our brave speaker of the house makes it back in time for the for the floor vote. We'll right. see. We'll see. Um, speaking of more Senate uh, chicanery, let's also talk about this uh, failure to pass a bill for veterans' aid. I think this was called the Pact Act. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the stipulation of it was pretty much that for veterans who were working at what were called burn sites or burn pits, uh, they were exposed to toxic fumes and waste. Uh, and that leads to deleterious health effects down the line, which funny people don't realize the military industrial complex does some pretty heinous shit with environmental stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in addition to what we do to the planet, it also fucks up our veterans. It fucks up our troops. And the the whole shtick we offer to them is, hey, the VA has got it covered, except they didn't. And mm -hmm. what the PACT Act was supposed to do in practice was um, you wouldn't have to prove what had happened in order to get VA coverage and care. And if I'm recalling the the schematics of how this went down, I think 25 senators basically voted against, kind of sunk it, Many of them being Republicans, if not all. Yeah, all of them are Republicans. Um, basically, I mean to kind of give a little bit more context. Yeah, yeah. Um, so initially, this was um, I think it was Senator Toomey had raised an objection to it, saying that because it had some type of tax provision, um, it could not originate in the Senate. It had to go through the House because of kind of this weird archaic constitutional construct right mm -hmm. um one of the few things that we've really kept that like pertains to the senate um 
is it stupid? Yes. But like, you know, yeah, like you don't want to risk like, you know, the Supreme Court striking it down. It would be difficult to reach the court, I believe, but because you'd have to the way our legal system works is there has to be like a victim litigating the case. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how you claim to be a victim of that, but maybe you're like, I'm victimized because they've damaged my income by tax. I mean, or something. I don't know. That's true. Anyways. But also, but also if I understand correctly, the veterans affairs committee in the Senate has more pull for whatever reason, which is why it must have originated there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it was a clerical issue, right? Okay. So, they, so they go through it, fix that. Then we get um, a failure to uh, get closure, right? So technically uh, more than um, 25, because like you, you um, they, I think it was, what, uh, 42 um, Republicans ended up voting against the cloture vote. Mm-hmm. Um, so this now is kind of just sitting there in this sort of dead state under the filibuster. They kind of disguise this as and like defended it with the idea that oh, this allows for amendments to fix their issues with it. Uh, the main argument is that it quote unquote provides like a four hundred million dollars slush fund. Um, this bill's bringing a decent amount of coverage in the news in part because. Um, a uh, one John Stewart has been uh, really, really tied to the advocacy for this. He's been uh, even before he left the Daily Show was always kind of like tied to like a lot of these like veteran and like first responder healthcare mm-hmm. bills. He's been you know usually there for like committee hearings at Congress to push for these things, and so this has kind of you know brought him back in the spotlight, um, arguing with you know these ghouls like Toomey, like Ted Cruz, of course, because why wouldn't he be you know. <laughs> on the side of thinking this uh and yeah like one of the justifications too like is more generally like or the defenses of their actions here is that democrats sort of pulled the um rug out from under them by passing um or attempting to go for this reconciliation bill mm-hmm. um i think there was another bill i think the chips that they did vote for because they were under the assumption the reconciliation bill wasn't going to happen and now that it seems like it is they're just incensed that you know the dems i guess are legislating in bad faith in their eyes yeah i mean when when you like uh propose that we talk about this on the podcast today like i had kind of first of all like i don't know if this is mean that just not paying enough attention or if there's a lack of coverage but the first thing that popped into my mind is like we're talking about veterans again because like you know at least like less than five years ago like you know veterans issues were one of those things that like were always in the news Mm -hmm. um it's one of those things that's considered widely uncontroversial and you know people are always you know dying to show their enthusiasm for supporting the veterans right and it's the kind of thing too that both parties can accuse one of each other for not doing enough for veterans but Pretty universally, I feel like Congress members of both parties find a way to screw veterans over. And I think it's like, usually in the dark. Usually, yeah. And like, like when I saw this, I'm just like, how, why is this not getting covered in the way this normally would have been? Yeah, I mean, I think it is getting um, 
it is getting some coverage. I mean, I don't watch a ton of like the cable news, but I, I at least you know see stuff pop up on Twitter where it's clips right. on cable news and whatnot. So it does seem to be getting some traction and whatnot. Um, I mean, I think one of the notable things, and like you had kind of written this down in the outline, is that you know, kind of like it's weird that you know, like I think. Republicans have tended to kind of take issue ownership of, you know, military and veteran affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can debate whether or not that's correct or incorrect, but, you know, they, they've kind of largely in the public side taken issue ownership of that, but we've kind of seen a hard turn away from that. I mean, I think you, you had, you know, comments from Trump that weren't really pushed back on, you know, making fun of people for joining the military you know, calling them suckers and losers and stuff like that. And like all these things and like that really wasn't getting pushed back on. And then you have like, this is sort of this ultimate, you know, flipping of the bird, the two veterans. And like, and that's the thing too. There's like a rise of uh, Dan Crenshaw, ex like ex military veteran types, right? All, all big faces during the Trump administration. Like even, even not just the members of Congress, like who was his one secretary of the interior, Ryan Zinke, that guy. Yeah, that guy was a Marine or something, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of like ex-military types in the Trump camp, but that kind of um civic religion approach to veterans' issues has like dissipated with the Trump years, I feel like. How For sure. And, and it kind of it kind of just ha- like happened in front of everyone's eyes. I I I I that was something that came as a realization to me, but well, I think, you know, too, like, January 6th probably didn't help, right? You know, this, like, kind of, like, <laughs> we're inviting, you know, an insurrection in the Capitol. That's kind of, you know, even if they even if they didn't necessarily disagree politically with those people, that, you know, like, in just the basic sense of Trump support, not necessarily that the election had been stolen, I think that that kind of made it, you know, like, how do you claim to be, like, the party of, like, patriotism when you have, like, you know, these American symbols in peril yeah which which again ties to joe biden's weird speech with the open eyes (laughs) but that's 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 a separate point um and and another thing i I wrote in the outline and i i know i don't know if i'm making a false equivalency here or if this is this is something valid right but like the havana syndrome relief bill passed without without any issues just Havana syndrome, we don't even know if it's real or if it's something we're just making up. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're in Langley and you had a tummy ache, we got you. We got you covered. Um and then and then here are like, you know, people who've done worse and actually, you know, been the victims of, you know, what I can only consider as occupational safety mishandling, really. Mm-hmm. And like the VA is one of those institutions that's supposed to cover this, you know what I mean? And it's like it, 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 it's hurdles for people who you know American civic religion is supposed to venerate. Here we here we are, just like you know, kind of tossing this under the rug. Yeah, and I, and it's just weird too because like there's not. I don't like you know I don't know if they're trying to play like a blame game politics with this. Mm-hmm. It seems like they are, but like I mean Ted Cruz is just like the worst player of blame game politics. He always mm-hmm. engages with it, but like and like this is kind of what he rose to fame with, right? On like the shutdown and whatnot. And he always loses. 
so it's just weird seeing people on that side just sort of like let's just keep doing it like let's yeah you know like obviously you know we have our own thoughts about these you know individuals as people like you know their basic humanity and you know whatnot but it's just it's weird that you would just put this like out in the open again like keep relitigating this like nonsense and like no one cares people care that you like are trying to screw veterans that's all that matters at the end of the day let me get that hang on sure goddamn spam calls in the <laughs> middle of my podcast it happens to the best of us <sighs> yeah i mean the- was it relief for your student loan <laughs> no no it wasn't <laughs> i got one of those earlier <laughs> Oh, no, I actually cool. got a call from uh, my student loan servicer, ironically. Um, okay. And they were basically like, the old company's been dissolved. We took over. You ready for repayments, buddy? And I'm like, oh, God. Um, oh, no. But, but I mean, yeah, to your point, like, Ted Cruz and, and all these ghouls, right? I think they just they continue to serve those kind of libidinal tendencies in the base of the Republican Party, much like an equivalent Democrat does on 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 their side. You know what I mean? Like like you could say Adam Schiff gets all the um you know Russiagate uh people like really excited. And you could say mm-hmm. Ted Cruz is is like his he made he basically made his career um being a guy who blamed the Democrats for everything. His yeah. whole like his whole claim to fame was that stupid filibuster where he's quoting green eggs and ham, right? Mm-hmm. And he just this wasn't I mean, a real filibuster. It, to be it, fair, <laughs> nah, he was he was just you know he was just, he was just basically holding his piss as long as he could. That's really what it was. Um, but 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 yeah, like he's just uh, all this is is another exercise in the resentment based politics that we have at this point. And you could say that, hey, maybe he paved the way for Trump's style of politics. Who knows? Maybe you could say that uh, he's a proud conservative, you know, fighting the good fight against global homo. Who knows? But I mean, what it what it continues to 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 do is what we're pointing at. Obviously, is the basic institutions that this country has that are promised to help people. As who who do the thing, you know, I'm I'm going into Bidenisms here. The whole point is that if you're a veteran, you get rec- remunerated for your service. That's it. We can't even do that anymore. But we can, but we can get more resentment. Yeah, and like we've said about everything, veterans are just another political football in this. Yeah, one hundred percent. And as I say, and this is. You know, I don't have a ton of, to say about this one. It was just kind of like it, it was sort of, you know, kind of being connected in the discourse to the climate bill. Um, it's more just kind of like nonsense. And like it's it's just weird because this seems like it should have otherwise been a pretty non-controversial bill. But now it's becoming sort of this media focal point mm-hmm. um, on the legislative process. Yeah, I mean, 
do do you think that this is going to come back with amendments as promised or is this going to be something that's like a hot topic for a couple weeks but then ultimately fizzles out i i mean to be fair i don't i don't think the amendments that they're talking about are actually going to happen per se um I think this will. I think they'll be forced to pass it. I think it's just going to be too controversial uh, not to. I mean, like I'm sure Ted Cruz will still vote it down, but like, you know, the Romneys or whoever like didn't vote for cloture are they're going to have to cave. I think mm-hmm. um, you only need five. Um, that's not hard to get. Mm-hmm. Um, well, hard for other things. I don't think it's it's going to be hard for this in the uh, not too long term. Um, so I, I see this passing, uh, and again, like it's, as I said, you know, I kind of compared this to like the shutdown in what was that twelve or fourteen with from Ted yeah. Cruz, um, where he makes an ass of himself and it doesn't pay out. I mean, he could always start a podcast. That's what I did. Oh man, surprised he doesn't. Like he let Matt Gates and. Marjorie Taylor Greene, like, scoop him on that? Like, like I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, how many of, like, I, I don't know if we talked about this, like, a while ago, but, like, the influencer generation in Congress. Like, D- Dan Crenshaw has a weird YouTube channel. AOC has her Instagram lives. Um, and she had a brief stint as a Twitch streamer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Twitch stream was 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 just like you know, it was a little fun thing. I don't think she's ever done that full time, but like the Instagram. Yeah, she's she's only like done like two, I think. But yeah, and was invited for those. But then yeah, it's like um, even like what Marjorie Taylor Greene has like. I think she's one of the few representatives who probably doesn't have a staffer using her Twitter account. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I was gonna say. Chuck Grassley 100% does not have a staffer using his Twitter account. <laughs> that is that is that is raw. I think we I think it's actually known because there was someone who wrote a conference paper that I read where they said they like talk and I mean I I didn't buy this premise at all but they're like talking about how he was cutting edge for like not having a staffer use his social media. I'm like like and, and he's doing like Newt Gingrich style wife posting. Basically, he's not doing any. <laughs> like I mean, he infamously like tweeted about it like a dead bird, and then tweeted about it, like six years later about like is anyone going to come pick this up? And it's like I mean, there's there's no way the dead bird's still there. There's no like. <laughs> uh, see, I thought it was funny when like Ted Cruz had those two gaffes where. Again, oh, where he liked a, uh, liked some porn on his main account. Yeah, or yeah. Or staffer which, probably did, but it was probably him. Hey, we've all we've all been there, but but come on, man, <laughs> you got to be quicker than that. Or uh, the the most recent one. Who was that? Uh... Well, it was some like city or federal agency that liked something like lewd. I no, 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 no. There was there was that, but no, there was a recent. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, che Garcia. Oh, the Chui Garcia thing <laughs> when he uses the art, and that was definitely a staffer. But I'm just like, man, which one of your your staffers was like some Chicago DSA kid who was mad at? Well, it's funny because I mean, like, yeah, I don't really agree with the the guy that he's replying to, but like, 
it was it was just like <laughs> the guy forgot like and you know what it is is like it was his personal account and he had the add other account button plugged yeah. in the one for Chewie Garcia forgot which one he was on. <laughs> That's what that that's what that's my Twitter behavior, right? Because I got my personal and then I have the one for the podcast. So I just like use both interchangeably at this point. But if you're using like a professional public facing thing, I I, I wouldn't be so cavalier about that. Oh yeah, I mean that was that was pretty good though. Um it was funny. It was <laughs> uh oh man. Okay. I is there anything else I got on the so we're at, should we, we're at uh, should we touch on the uh, actual climate hero of this generation? We can. Let's do it. I I think it's fun. Yeah, fuck the outline. We can do this another day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I this Taylor Swift thing is really weird. Yeah. So like, I don't know. This kind of came out of nowhere, but all of a sudden. Um, it was people just started talking about the fact that you know she's kind of in the past couple of years have become more openly you know left wing political and whatnot. Whereas before she well, kind of she, a member of the Democratic like, Party, I wouldn't say she was left wing, but as far as like you know mainstream American discourse, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know pro environment stuff like that. But like all of a sudden, people are like, well, like she uses a private jet a ton. And this has just like kind of exploded like the internet discourse, like where people are like, you know, screw her, it's all rhetoric, it's you know, while she actively damages the environment. And then you have other people like defending her, where it's like, well, you know, she actually sold one of her private jets. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what made it triggered, right? Because like I think there was a list of like top 10 worst polluting celebrities i don't know how they they investigated that right okay that's what i believe the origin to be and because i just like randomly saw people um like that i followed who don't normally like talk about the stuff we're just like fuck taylor swift for this specific reason i was like because because the memes explode and then you see a bunch of them right but like Yeah. yeah so like the list is what's the triggers it and then you have, of course, like, you know, the uh, the the kind of, like, branch of the right that's always like, look at these liberal celebrities and Hollywood sickos telling us how to live, right? And I, at least that's what I remember is, like, Taylor Swift is a climate extremist who does a lot of polluting. And, like, I think that... that climate thread, terrorist is the term I've seen used. Some, some shit like that. Like, some, some culture war style uh, screed. And then in response, a Taylor Swift stan or staffer. I, I'm not clear who. Staffer. Like some some on her PR team. Some, some yeah. PR team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like again, like to be a celebrity, you have like this micromanaging team. They're basically like congressional staff as far as we're concerned. But, sure. But you're right. PR. PR would be the distinction. So I think a member of her PR team like goes and writes this whole thread about like, yeah, she actually sold one of her private jets. Um, she's done this, X, Y, and Z, all the charitable stuff, right? But then humor is about contradiction, right? And then it just turned into, like like we were talking about this on the last episode too, right? Where it's like, well, you as an ordinary person without the wealth and means to exploit, what are you doing to the environment versus like a 
a coal baron's net damage to the environment. You know what I mean? You're right. And it kind of the 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 sticking point of the article was that Taylor apparently Swift, she she was listening to this and was like, oh, "Well, I'm I'm an individual just like everyone else in my mind." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what am I it's, doing wrong? Right. It's like um. Yeah, so the, the whole thing is, like, she takes her private jet, like, needlessly to places that, like, were nearby or, you know, like, that were driving distance, shit like that. So then the the whole, like, the, the nature of Twitter jokes as they are, you exploit the contradiction for what it is. And it's just, like, Taylor Swift on the way to 7-Eleven, and it's, like, a flight. Or it's, like... Yeah, uh, like, it's, like, pit- an F-22, like, <laughs> at an air show, just, like, zooming along. The, the worst one uh, that, like had me was like it was her and a bunch of people at like a party laughing at something they were watching on the phone and the video on the phone was that oil rig fire in the gulf of mexico from like last year <laughs> I was just like, I think that was more than that was years ago wasn't it or was there another one uh no i'm not talking about um i'm not talking about exxon valdez i'm talking about yeah, the yeah, one yeah, where yeah, like there was one last year the pemex uh yeah. thing which just looked like hellfire coming out the sea that one. yeah So I mean, I mean, yeah, it's it's like what we were talking about. Where like there is this massive contradiction between um, personal consumption as part of the uber rich and personal consumption as as an everyday person. Mm-hmm. And of course, like in America, we're still somewhat culpable. We have higher living standards, so these things can compound versus someone who lives in the third world, right? But um it, it still doesn't change the fact that like like we were saying earlier like you know you could do everything to go to go green as they say um and it doesn't change the fact that like you could you could bicycle everywhere and you're still not driving down taylor swift's um, yeah damage to, to, to the atmosphere it was fun i did see one person saying like well have you compared like you know the uh like just the amount of and they were talking like the net like how much emissions are put out by aircraft versus cars and i'm like you do know like again it's like just know your measurement what you're actually and what that measurement actually is right because like this was like i'm like yeah like a flight that has like you know a hundred people on it versus you know a hundred people in cars yeah like turns out a hundred cars is putting out a little bit more but you know her and her you know little like you know five-man entourage or whatever flying to starbucks or i mean i always <laughs> wonder like i mean i know there was like i think chloe kardashian fell into this too but like there was less of hip- hypocrisy there because people just always kind of like thought she was a little bit of a solo celebrity i guess but uh there was like a bunch of these things about her. she was like taking like five minute helicopter rides i'm like where are mm-hmm. you going uh, this like, is this is giving me like trump in new york city vibes like where he would like be helicoptering around the city for no well, apparent at least reason. There, I'm like, okay, like you know, like, you just go to like one skyscraper or the other, but like, especially like a private jet, like where are you going? Right, right. Like, there's only there's only so many places you can land. Like, unless you go, you know, full Harrison Ford, like there's only so much you can do. Right, right. I mean, it, it, it is that whole thing, right, where. This, this is just something I was thinking of is that there was a lot of hay made about carbon footprints, especially mm-hmm. back in the day. And the whole campaign to popularize that measurement was kind of funded by Exxon and BP. Yeah. And 
That was their contribution to the movement. I was no. I mean, I mean, here's the thing too. Right? It's like like fossil fuel companies have known about climate change prior to it being discovered by scientists. Their own research teams found out about it and kind of kept it under wraps, and have broadly constrained what can and cannot yeah. be discussed or done about it. Right. And like like I said, like we were saying, like you know, carbon footprint puts you back in that individualistic thought mode. Of well, I I need to reduce my my own individual footprint, but the thing the thing too about like you know like a hundred cars versus one private jet, we're also stuck in car dependent places now. Yeah, we kind of don't have choices in certain places. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not necessarily that like oh we got to fight the system and why aren't we doing it? I mean in the sense of like if you live in a place with no public transit, if you live in a place with no walkable streets if you literally live in places where like the grocery store is literally on a main road you cannot get walk to it from your house well and like you know just going to work too i mean the whole like work online that era is i think fast approaching its end you know some people are still able to but for the most part it's full on back to work or at least you know back to work you know a good chunk of the week right um I mean, as I said, you know, we're basically pretending the, the pandemic is over. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I it, it is a very funny series of memes that I think highlights that reality and contradiction. And it kind of goes to like, you know, kind of the overarching theme of this whole show, right? The idea that you have, you know, performative rhetoric versus actual results. Right. And in the performative rhetoric often stops you from getting results. It's totalizing in that aspect. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day they'll make uh, electric uh, private jets to counteract the issue. <laughs> Who knows? Just attach some solar panels to it. Don't you think that would... They'd be perfect. I, I can't fly in a storm, but... I've looked at like uh, solar fight proposals. I don't, I don't know like what the feasibility is on those. I would think like it can't be like at least with current tech can't be super feasible because you'd think it would just seem natural, right? Like cut out any need to like pay for fuel. Yeah, I guess the only question is then like how do you drive the thing at night? Yeah, you'll have the backup fleet. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> or or you can do like you know the, the the GM approach to electric vehicles for the longest time was just you know like the hybrid. Yeah, wait, get away from hybrid to eventually like full on EV. But I don't know, I don't know. This this kind of stuff requires like a radical consideration and then application of what exists and like this or is where for the solar flights you just fly like whatever way the sun's going every I, flight has to follow i, I, I mean this, this <laughs> is where maximizes. i just see this is this is where i just keep coming back to like what the fuck was wrong with trains I mean, they in can't fact, go overseas but yeah i mean like you know domestically there should be nothing wrong i mean, I mean yeah you got then you got to figure out something with boats and like planes still see, but, like because amtrak's not turning a profit Come on. 
Man, and to top it off, like Amtrak, USPS, they, the the USPS shit where they want to cut 50,000 jobs. Oh, yeah. It's insane. What, what are we going to do then? Just have only UPS? Is that Are we back to like private mail as the way forward? Yeah, I mean, it's... It, and I mean, like, the way that that's being run, it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that, like, you can't get rid of the guy by law. Um, is I thought that most of those laws were struck down or deemed, but I guess, yes, this one remaining position is, you know, politically independent, quote unquote. But I don't know. Um, and, you know, it's some of it is, you know, it's not just, it's the American political imagination that kind of needs uh, a fixing that, like, yeah, it's fine that, you know, it'd be fine if Amdrak doesn't make a dime ever. Like, I mean, it, 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 you know, there's there needs to be more investment put into it. Um, you know, there's been enough high profile crashes over the years. Um, the overall, I mean, pretty low when you consider when all things considered, and a lot of them are, you know, drivers' faults. Uh, like you know, road drivers, not a you know the train operator. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we sh- we should invest more in that. And you're right, like it's not uh. Like, come on, Amtrak, Joe. That was the one thing I was counting on you for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. I think we were approaching that one hour, one and a half hour mark. Do you want to do our hate read series or the editorial discussion before we start to close out? Let's do the hate read. Let's do the hate read? Okay. Okay. Yeah, we only got one in before. I, I think we, we, we had to cut the one before for time, but let's get this one in. Yeah, yeah. Let's get this one in. Okay. So thank you. This is blissfully short. And for what it's worth, the article is actually well written. It's the content. Uh, that's that's the appalling bit. So let me share my screen to you so at least you can take a look at this. I've got it open on mine, actually. You got it? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Should I, should I delve in or do you want to have the honors? Uh, I can get into it. Um, so this is from the Miami Herald, published on July 28th. It's not a bad joke. It's a bad idea. Miami may dump homeless on an island. It sounded like some kind of sick joke at first, but it's true. Miami is considering moving its homeless people to an island, putting them in a camp next to a sewer plant on Virginia Key out in Biscayne Bay. The comparisons were instantaneous, vicious, and hard to disregard. Internment camp, penal colony. Awful, shameful images, even as Miami aspires to be the city of the future. Let's be real. This is the city of the future. <laughs> like, was it, wasn't an apartment complex that was under construction just get washed recently? Uh, no, but I mean, you did have the bigger one where it was it was a built a complex that, like, collapsed because it was built on... Um, I can't remember. Like, it was built on unstable land. It was basically built right on sand, I think. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And it just like colla- half of it collapsed. Yeah, with people in it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people died. <sighs> so much for City of the Future. All right, we could go on. The internet certainly did when the news broke that the Miami City Commission might actually entertain this offensive possibility. No matter how temporary this move is supposed to be, it's billed as a transition zone. 
It feels like one more attempt in Miami to push the homeless out of sight. Invisibility is already a problem for the poor. This would have the potential to make it many magnitudes worse. Miami was just sued by legal services of Greater Miami, Southern Legal Counsel, and the ACLU over the treatment of people living on its streets. I... I, dude, I... Ugh. I'm losing my patience with this article because the proposal is like getting me pissed. Yeah, I mean, we could probably leave it at that. I mean, that's kind of it. Just kind of gets into that a little bit more, but um, yeah, I, it, it's weird that there's been this sort of resurrection in like anti homelessness, and not like anti homelessness, and like let's solve homelessness. It's like no, but like in a war on drugs kind of sense. Yeah, and like I mean, you've had places where they're putting like spikes under you know bridges and whatnot so homeless people can't sleep there um i think trump had more or less proposed something similar to this uh not so much move them to an island but like put them like remove like all the homeless people to like a city uh uh it's like well they're already in in, in a few but uh it, yeah and like i mean in this there was something in um my local town has like a homeless guy who's been here for years I haven't seen him in a while, but I know there was um, this uh, thing from the township to like kick him out a few years ago. I recall this. I recall this. Yeah, yeah. They're like, let's just put up, give him like a one way bus ticket and get him out of here. <laughs> I guess. And like, no, it, I'm it guessing got a lot of priced out of any housing in that area, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, one hundred percent probably. But uh, I mean, as I said, he's he's been you know homeless for a long time, but. Uh, I, I the, you know, that got killed. Um, that effort to do it, I can't remember. I mean, I ha- it's been a while since I've seen him, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, this was like just this weird thing, and like the general response to it was like, this is pretty barbaric, like mm-hmm. just because we're concerned with you know the what it what it says about the township. They're like, well, it was fine when he was you know behind the Kmart, but it's not okay when he's like in front of Main Street, like. Ugh. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's there's just been like this weird reignition in like, and it's, that was a couple years ago. But like all this other stuff was really recent. There's, I don't know where it's coming from. A lot of people are like, well, like you know, rich people uh, don't like being made to feel guilty. I'm like, I get that, but this isn't like new. It's it's really not, and it's like as long as you continue to have these bizarre stratifications in society right like i feel like what homeless people serve as a function is as like a disciplining tool for like lower and middle class people where it's like if you don't keep up this is what happens to you there is no safety net and yeah and it's like again, like America's treatment of homeless people is 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 like abject. This like I would say it, it's again it parallels what we mock um, third world countries for, where it's like, well, aren't people like paupers in the streets there? It's like we kind of do that to our own people here too. And like with the pandemic, I think these things got somewhat more visible in the suburbs for the first time when mm. you had people get priced out of their own homes or like unable to make payments or whatever. Well, even now too, with just the way like rents increasing in a lot of places. Right. Right. Like people are feeling the squeeze first and foremost, but then 
there's people who have been squeezed to the point that like they are again part of this new class of the dispossessed and it's just happening closer and closer to the suburbs which are you know the depository of like nice respectable far away from all the suffering of the cities kind of shit right yeah and when it just happens so close to home i guess that's what prompts that kind of like barbaric response because we so we again like we're culturally conditioned to view people who are homeless with with crime disease filth all the, all that all all that bullshit and it's like i'm not going to say that like you know every experience of dealing with someone who doesn't have a home is is pleasant but it's 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 again it's like this kind of like conditioned um antisocial uh misanthropic behavior that's like normalized you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's okay to make fun of and dispossess and harm these people like you if you if you want to really see things that make you upset like look at what cops do to the homeless in urban areas right and I, I, I like like you were saying earlier with Amtrak. I know this isn't a direct parallel, but it's just it's just one of those things where like you got to expand that kind of creative horizon, yeah, to to the next level. Which is like, okay, someone got to bomb off a of society's dime and and has has a home. Like like what if we and like that's something that at least I re- recall seeing in certain pilot programs where to stop homelessness particularly like repeat homelessness the model shouldn't be shelters the model should be giving people a, a small home of some sort and i think the project was like using recycled like shipping containers building mm-hmm. a small home out of that and then you're able to solve at least a couple of the structural issues where it's like now they can apply for a job because they have a mailing address they can apply for certain services because they have a mailing address they're not subject to those harsh elements. So like there's less disease and all this nonsense. And I just, I, I, I don't get this. I don't know. This misanthropic element of American culture. And I'm not going to say that like, uh, you know, we're all inherently evil for hearing it because we we get no one is born that way. You get acculturated into it, but the prevalence of it and how vehemently it's felt in certain places, it's concerning. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't say it better. And I'm again, I'm not, I'm not. Ex- housing is not really my strong suit. It's not really like something that I understand a whole lot about, but. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's insane or crazy to like view housing as a human right. And I also think that like it kind of shows the limits of the current um, political horizon that people have, where you see failures of the system like homelessness, like crime, like, like a whole host of things. And your only answer to it is either get away from it or push it away from you. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much exactly what we're seeing, right? Is it's it's this unwillingness to like kind of come to terms with it or think of solutions and just kind of like 
punted. I mean, that, you know, it's kind of, you know, going back to like Congress has always been their model of, you know, lawmaking, right? Just punt it down the road and think about it later, right? You know, it's why we've... From the Constitution onwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the constitutional conventions, like, oh, you know, it's a slavery thing, like, let's, let's not even bother debating it. Let's just... We'll, we'll, we'll debate, you know, we'll debate a few things about it, but, you know, we're not going to, you know, the idea of abolishing it's not really on the table because, you know, half of you have slaves, so... Let's just punt it down the road. And I mean, I guess that or is nowadays we're going to punt it uh, into a neighboring island. I I think that 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 sums up all the problems of American politics in a nutshell. I think is that it is a continued pattern of punting a problem down the road and then dealing with the blowback of having punted something down the road for too long. Yeah, and like. A lot of people like to build themselves as like solutions focused and solutions oriented kind of people when they get elected or when they're trying to seek your vote. But I don't think anything has, aside from like maybe a couple people who got elected saying they'll do it, I don't know if they've done anything about it. How many people have actually done something transformational to the system in a while? Yeah, pretty hard to say. I mean, and I will say that, I mean, the thing is, I think it's interesting you bring up, like, the solutions-focused branding. I think of the that... The Problem honestly, Solvers Caucus, you know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of shit. I think of that more so as just, like... I think of it as more so performative, because it's, yeah. like, that, that to me is, like, we pursue the bipartisan solution, which tends to mean the most broadly accepted, which means it doesn't really change anything. It just... You know, it's an inch. It's like, you know, a step towards solving the problem, but never solving it um, because that would require, you know, a much more radical approach in most cases. I mean, like, obviously, you know, I think the one thing we're decent at legislating um, to actually meet fully meet demands is usually disasters, um, which probably says enough about us that like that's the only thing that like you need, like these like crazy focusing events. Um and even, you know, COVID relief and whatnot, it was, you know, nowhere near the degree that, like, other countries stepped in. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a lot of these people who, you know, swear up and down that, you know, a government dollar is, like, you know, the uh, the manifestation of the devil's hand or whatever. But, like, <laughs> they voted in favor of it. Yeah, I just... I think the consensus on, on Capitol Hill stated implicitly not explicitly is that there is no fundamental changing the system and if there is it's to benefit those on top that's the only thing that's that's really allowed to be rushed through or changed but like you know this fundamental relationship of i i don't know how much you agree with my take on this but i mean i'll just put it out there as like the constitutional convention that founded this country was basically attended by the equivalent of like today's fortune 500 wealthy wealthy people businessmen planters lawyers merchants whatever you want to want to you want to you know mm-hmm. staff them as that's that's who made this system is it better than some form of monarchy yeah sure it's 
I don't think that, you know, de democracy is an inherently bad principle to fight for, but what they essentially ordered the society to be was one for the money-making class at the end of the day. And yeah, and I mean, and like maybe that's the more cynical interpretation of it. Uh, I don't think it's entirely unfair. Um, because you're right, I mean, you look at their class standings, and they were very much interested in protecting their class interests. Um, I don't think the system itself, like as, as written, is necessarily like you know exclusive for that, but I think that you know, because of interpretations that have been casted down by the Supreme Court and kind of by you know, the conservative legal movement and society at large on some level, you know, there does need to be more radical, like, rewrites of, you know, the Constitution and reworking of the system in order to, you know, advance certain goals uh, that are maybe more equitable and pro-democracy than maybe what was originally intended, but, you know, certainly more than the way things have been uh, interpreted since. Yeah, yeah, and I think that as a whole, even like by design, the the federal system, not, not necessarily of federalism, but like how our government is structured today, it is slow to change by design. You need very large consensus. Yeah. I don't know if that's the way I to, to change things. Yeah. And it's like weird because it's like one of those things where like, you know, on some level, uh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, that like that being like on its surface a bad thing, but like in practice, like we've seen that like it's not exactly helping us out. Mm -hmm. You know, these large consensuses largely you know align with you know this upper class thing. I mean, and you know it's you know like sometimes we forget just how broad these party umbrellas are, and that like ostensibly they want a lot of the same things um at least fiscally i mean socially you know not so much uh these days but you know there was a time where they were even more closely aligned on that right yeah i guess i don't know i don't i don't know like what point it is that can kind of like wrap everything around on but it kind of in my in my mind the way i'm seeing this is for things to change you have to fundamentally destroy the existing order in some capacity maybe it doesn't have to be violent and apocalyptic the way it's destroyed but the way as things are currently structured are just not it and as long as people continue to work within this framework or argue that it can work or are committed to preserving it i'm not convinced anything will change yeah and i mean especially because i think that there's like this you know broader cultural conservatism on like you know the idea of changing it is bad in and of itself and we really do need to move away from that like yeah. you know there's there's certainly ways we can make it worse but like the idea that like change is inherently bad is I, I think just, you know, flawed. Like there's no reason to think like, you know, there wasn't that much consensus among the people who wrote it in the first place. You know, why should we, you know, assume that that like, you know, that divine wisdom that they just happened to be, you know, the comp compromise they could settle on would be what we 
you know, ride on forever. And I mean, you read, and it's like, you know, the, some of the biggest condemnations of like the way we interpret like originalism, like if it has to literally be in the text, like, I mean, they were pretty open about this in like the Federalist Papers that mm -hmm. like, you know, their reluctance on like the Bill of Rights, for instance, was they didn't want that to be like seen as an exhaustive interpretation of rights. And that's exactly what we're seeing today is people are like, oh, that's it. That's all you got. I mean, this phenomenon is exactly what I'm describing when I say greenhouse gaslighting. <laughs> and the the unfortunate reality is, you know, we're 51 episodes in now. And I don't know what the world outside the greenhouse looks like, if you, if that makes sense. When you're finally free from, like, the limitations you've put on your thinking. And the assumptions that you've told yourself that this is the only way you can work on things, you know. And you decide, I'm going to take the step to destroy this or change it or whatever you want to say to make the words go down easier, right? Mm -hmm. What do you then build? Who knows? I know I'm always like pushing things in a Marxist direction, but it's like, what does life under true socialism, communism look like? I. We don't know. We would be different people at that point. We would be transformed by that experience at that point. And I, I can only say things that are theoretical, you know? Yeah. Which I think this, this exercise might have been more useful within the point I had in the outline, which is discussing if we're doomed to relitigate 2020 on all left podcasts. But that's what this, that's what this is, right? Is we're just coming to terms with the institutions are sacrosanct at present and there is no confronting them within them. I'm I'm at the point where I'm in when I'm in word salad mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably I, I think we've we've kind of reached like the the natural climax and conclusion of this uh discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah there's not really much more we can say other than you know we look to the future eagerly i don't know about eagerly but <laughs> desperately more so than eagerly yeah. <laughs> um. but yeah i guess i don't know anything else you might want to say for the listeners before we start to close out um i think that most wraps up my thoughts on this mm-hmm all right do you want to listen to a better podcast josh is on one it's called the uh, Monster Pop Podcast, uh, your, uh, yeah, well, presumably the favorite destination for wrestling podcast news uh, and reviews. Um, just put out episode 26 today um, and recording episode 27 tomorrow. So I am a busy bee when it comes to recording things. <laughs> Monster Pop is a great show, folks. I encourage you guys to check them out. And they have been making strides with their release schedule and getting these episodes out consistently pretty much every week, I'd say. Yeah, so every week, uh, sometimes they've been a little uh, later in the week than we intend, but yeah, not all of us can have a Chapo style <laughs> release schedule. We don't, <laughs> we don't have those nice content uh, machines that they got at the content factory, but um, you know, Everyone in in who listens to this show and enjoys pro wrestling 
show them some love, follow them on social media and, you know, help them grow by giving them a five-star review on Apple podcasts. I don't know why that helps people with the algorithm, but do it. I'm asking nicely, please. Yeah, I'll I'll take some five-star reviews. (laughs) If you want this show to grow a little bit, do the same. Just give it a five-star review and tell me, like, everything you really think. (laughs) Like, make it, like, you know, the IGN style where you, like, complained about, like, a million things, but, like, five out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Too much water. Five stars. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again for coming through, Josh. And thanks again, dear listener, for uh, listening to uh, Greenhouse Gaslighting. I got all the links to the social media in the description below. Uh, Till next time, take care, folks.